As always, this is Tony, and with me today are the following players. Hi, this is Bethany, and I'm playing Belinda Walsingham, the half-elf awakened mystic. Hi, this is Adam, and I will be playing Akiva Khonshu, the Shadar Kai Hexblade Warlock. Hi, I'm Jane, and I'm playing Nissa Turin, the gnome arcane trickster rogue. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm playing Scribner Shannon Whitecliff, the human rogue fighter. Next week, Sharpen Quill, Episode 5. Join us now for Sharpen Quill, Episode 4. Defaced the Marzipan Bust. Last time, the party finished their preparations for the ball with some games, a chat with Bai, and some fresh new haircuts before arriving at the Adamantine Palace as the group of Sharp and Quill is about to be introduced for the first time. So, who would like to helm the disguise kit check on Akiva with advantage? Me. Okay, you can use dexterity since you guys are taking time to apply this carefully. 25. Akiva looks like a high elf, which I believe was the intention. You actually can't tell that he has glitter on his skin. You guys begin to traverse the Adamantine Palace, passing through various hallways and rooms, till you eventually arrive at a set of large stone doors. As you pass through the large stone doors that's lined with stories of each of the eight noble families coming together as one kingdom, you find yourselves in the massive Great Hall of the Adamantine Palace. Large tapestries cover the walls on either side of this 100-foot-wide room, with tables situated on each side, stretching the nearly 300-foot length of the hall. At the far end, you can see a more elaborate table raised upon a dais, where you can assume the royal family and their closest guests would be seated. To either side of this large table, you see curtain entryways that lead into rooms beyond. And as your eyes drift up, you notice on the far wall the various crests of the eight noble families, arranged in a circular pattern, with the royal families taking prominence at the top. The arched ceiling is filled with beams of mithril that have a soft glow under the setting sun, and large mosaic windows can be seen directly below, each displaying imagery of great deeds from each of the eight highest noble families in Orenthal. As you are initially brought up, you are told to wait as one by one, People are announced as they enter into the Great Hall. As you begin to walk up, you are stopped, and you hear from one of the voices that booms out. Akiva of Sharpened Quill, Phantom Illusionist, Vanquisher of Tenebris. Adam, what is Akiva wearing? Akiva is wearing a Shadowfell-style tan tailcoat and matching set of pants. The tailcoat has a line of silver-colored clasps that are unbuckled halfway down his midsection, revealing his burgundy vest, and furls out to show the matching velvet lining of the tailcoat that stretches almost to his ankles. Golden embroidering decorates both shoulders of the jacket, crimson embroidery adorns the cuffs of the sleeves, and the top of Akiva's hair is slicked back with the rest of the sides left to drape around his face. Belinda of Sharpen Quill, mediator of the Vremer Empire, Ensign of the Vremer Empire, Vanquisher of Tenebris, Daughter of Rose Walsingham. Bethany, what is Belinda wearing? Belinda is wearing a navy fur trim jacket with matching fitted trousers. From the white cravat at her throat to gold filigree on her boots, simple details highlight the craftsmanship of her attire. 
Despite usually eschewing jewelry, gold epaulets adorn her shoulders, and a fine chain with a scroll of Adar hangs around her neck. She wears her hair back in a simple chignon. Nissa of Sharpened Quill, Vanquisher of Tenebris. Jane, what is Nissa wearing? Nissa is wearing a crimson velvet hooded tailcoat with a silver pocket watch on a chain. Underneath, she has a high-necked black silk blouse with fitted black leather trousers. Nissa wears her hair in an intricate braid and blue butterfly earrings dangle from her ears. Shannon of Sharpened Quill, Vanquisher of Tenebris, Ensign of the Vremer Empire. Mike, what is Shannon wearing? Shannon is wearing a dark brown velvet tailcoat, matching knee breeches, and a waistcoat. The tailcoat is embroidered with silver thread in the shape of foliage and flowers native to the Vremer expansion. The waistcoat is a yellow satin brocade in a similar style. He is wearing a black bicorn, a white cravat, and no additional adornment. I will say one thing you guys notice right before coming up to the stone doors is there is a brief feeling of various magical protections you have dropping right before entering the Great Hall and coming back after you pass the doorway. But as you enter the Great Hall, you see a variety of people in all sorts of elaborate, elegant attire as they are just speaking to one another and conversing quietly. Every comment, though, of Vanquisher of Tenebris, there seems to be a brief pause as they turn to see who is walking in. I'm going to give them a very confident gaze. Not too much eye contact, though. As this initial thing is happening, you do notice a few people from the expedition speaking quietly to themselves. The salon and representatives are already there. Is there anything you would like to do before the first course is presented as people are still being introduced and coming in? Can I look around to see if everything's separated in a particular fashion? Like everyone who's aligned to a particular noble house is seated in one area. It doesn't look like there's any particular seating arrangements set out, but from what you can tell as you are initially surveying the room, from the noble families themselves, they seem to be mixing a bit, but there's no like specific area. The Solana representatives and the Thessun Kingdom representatives, which enter a short bit after you guys, seem to keep to themselves. Though you do notice with your passive insight, the Solana representatives kind of are eyeing the Thessun representatives. They seem to be paying specific attention to them. Like side-eye? Not any sort of negative thing, just more like you get the impression of like they definitely want to speak with them later about something. As you guys do walk in, the half-dwarf does spot you, eyes narrow, but continues about his business. You do see he is wearing this elaborate, it looks like armor, but you can tell it's not, silver and gold filigree with symbols of Arleos spread all across it. Where is the royal family? Not here right now. Will they be seated in an area where everyone can see them? They're on the raised dais at the far end of the hall. But it's not behind a privacy screen or anything. There are screens behind it, and this might be more like for the sake of presentation that they might be here briefly, um, because you are aware that there are more rooms where they have like more private conversations and more private meals. But there is an area set aside for figures of most importance. For us to watch them eat. Yes. How many weapons are in the room? Besides the guards? The guards specifically. Go ahead and make a perception check. Ten. A few dozen guards each seems to have a weapon. All the guards seem like they're in much more elaborate dress than they normally would be. Do we spot Darwin? After a moment or two, you do spot him at the far end of the room. 
he seems to be conversing with Zolas. I think we should go pay our respects. <laughs> How's Oliver dressed? So one thing you do notice, he's not wearing the colors of his house, which most of the members of the various high noble families are. He is wearing a long, elegant, like, tail coat of purple and green, reminiscent of his crocodile skin coat, but it's uh, of a fine silk. And as he kind of, like, you know, shifts and moves, it seems to shift not the fabric itself, but the coloration seems to change slightly as he moves between purples, blues, and greens. A simple vest and blue-purple pants. The clothes themselves seem to actually shimmer and change slightly in color. That almost feels like a trick on the eyes. Darwin, meanwhile, is wearing very warm colors of orange and yellow. Heavy symbolism of the rising sun. Not overly dressed. Like, you've seen some people with very wide, like, collars and long, flowing dresses. And, I mean, Zolas is definitely much more elaborately dressed than Darwin, but very fine yet elegant imagery on Darwin's clothing. But he looks like a sunrise, but like a subtle sunrise. His clothes themselves seem like they might be like sun-esque. There's, as you get closer, you notice they might even be emitting a little bit of light. You also do see in his hand a uh, staff with a small golden orb. Darwin turns to you. I'm so glad to see you here. You all look fantastic. Yes, thank you for helping supply the proper garments. Oh, fantastic, Taylor. I'm glad he was able to help all of you and get this out quickly. He's quite a busy man. Yes, I see. There's a lot of work. He uh, runs a thriving business. Well, uh, he did a really good job. At least, uh, I think so. It's quite an interesting design. I haven't seen something like that. It's traditional garb from, you know... Well, I do hope you enjoy yourselves. The feast is said to be rather fantastic. The first course, I believe, and he turns to Zolas, um, some charred peppers, candy carrots, and some simple white wine, I believe, with, of course, fresh baked bread. If you don't mind me asking, do you know what's going on with the foreign representatives? They seem to be giving each other the side eye. Zolas looks over. Well, I don't know specifically. My family does a lot of business with the Thessalon Kingdom. A lot of ale, mead, that kind of thing. Uh, they're good smiths as well, so we get a good amount of material or try to keep trade going. But uh, I know he kind of turns to Darwin a little bit. Like, Zolas is referring to the fact that the Salanans have been trying to help the Thessans due to their lack of clerics. It was a long shot on my part to ask them for clerical aid in this matter, but... The Thessans did send some of their finest divine casters to aid us. I was pleased with the help on the expedition. So was Tenebris an international threat? Something that all the kingdoms had to deal with? I would assume so. I didn't ask too much about why they were deciding to help us and simply accepted the aid that we had given the time frame that we had. Undead have been apparently rising in several areas and being able to eliminate a demon lord benefits all of our kingdoms. Thank you. Of course. Well, we appreciate the invite, and we're here to, you know, learn more about some of the our fellow residents of the Empire and also our visitors. We're, you know, looking for more work. You helped kind of supply a direction and some funding for us, but now that Tenebris is dealt with, we're kind of trying to figure out what's next. Well, I know many people here all have petty grievances with 
other noble houses or within their own noble houses. You see, Zolus kind of chuckles a little bit. Right. Every family has some black sheep, I understand. Some of them are very brazen about it. Zolus just shrugs. Anybody we should aim to stay away from? Zolus just kind of smiles. I mean, I don't know if you want to stay away from her, but one of my cousins has been mumbling to herself that she swears one of the Amble Crowns took her uh, bracelets. Really? She thinks another noble stole her jewelry? And she has no proof of it, other than apparently it looks a lot like hers. I honestly couldn't care less, but if you're interested, she uh, might be willing to pay to prove some kind of information. One way or the other? One way or the other. Prove it's real, or if someone else made it for her. Hmm. That sounds rather interesting, doesn't it, Nissa? Yeah. Sounds like a job I can get behind. Zolus, I'm currently looking into the idea of maybe getting a patron for my shows. Who do you think would be a good person to talk to about that? <laughs> How you doing? Oliver Ashglade. Pleasure to meet you. I can't promise anything, but I could always introduce you to my father, Cassius. He's the one that helps to uh, organize all sorts of deals between various businesses, various entertainers looking to make up a name for themselves. Actually, it's funny. I had a bard in here trying to see if he could get a position on the court as a a regular entertainer. How did that go? The current entertainer on the court, Oriver, plays beautifully, but claims this other bard has wronged him in the past. So my father wouldn't hear much of it. Is your father here at this feast? Oh, yeah. Right now, I believe he's speaking to the... Yeah, I haven't seen him in a little bit. Well, I don't expect you two to be joined at the hip. He's kind of like looking around the room. Yeah, not all fathers and sons are incredibly close. Cough politely. Look out at the other delegates. Probably speaking to the king in the audience chamber. There's always business to attend to. What's the new bard's name? Maybe we've heard of him. Think her name's Fira? Well, if they're around, perhaps we'll speak with them. I mean, she was able to uh, get into the Great Hall. She's well enough for that, but not to be a regular on the court. Yeah, if you could introduce me to your dad, that would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. As soon as he comes in, I'll make sure to point him out. Thank you. Darvin, is your father here as well? He should be arriving shortly. He was still preparing when I left the wing. Well, some of our party hasn't met him, so perhaps our paths will cross at some point further in the evening. Perhaps. He likes to tell of various stories of how he acquired our collection, so... Really? He looks over at you. Not the type of stories I think you'd always enjoy. Usually it's about the great deals he received on the acquisition of such things. I would absolutely love to hear who has been selling artifacts to your father. That would be wonderful. Well, please enjoy yourselves. I have a few things I need to attend to, considering, well, the whole purpose of this feast. Celebration? I will go and enjoy myself. Please, you should do the same. Relax, I believe the first course should be presented shortly. Good to see you again, Darwin. A pleasure as always. So you go and sit, and after a brief moment, you do notice Zinevere actually catches your eye. You see she's wearing very simple silk black gown, sleeveless, but extends downward. You One thing you do notice is it looks like there's little specks of light all across the gown, like it's the night sky. Does that have a slit down one of the legs? It just trails slightly behind her. So she approaches and decides to sit across from me. It is good to see all of you. How have you been the past few weeks? Quite well. Enjoying a chance to rest and recover after our efforts. I was 
quite a trying time, but glad to see all of you came out of it. No worse for wear, it seems, and with a new company, in fact. Yes, we decided to incorporate. I'll look to Akiva so he can give the pitch. Right, we're the sharpened quill. Service with a flare. Service with a flare, that definitely seems to be your style. Yeah, we uh, are generally in acquisitions, but we also do small jobs and documentation. To Akiva's point, we're looking for opportunities. You know, we're sort of completing our major objective as of this point, so... If you hear of anybody who's looking for a skilled group of adventurers who are willing to, you know, be discreet and efficient, then let us know. I would be happy to send them your way. Absolutely. I hand one of the cards I was able to make overnight. You hand one over. She lightly takes it. If you require anything of me at any point, you know, you can always contact me. And I will do the same if I discover anything of additional information on the deities. I appreciate that. Are you staying in Orenthal Long? For the evening, then I will probably return back to Amaron. It has been some time, and I do have to take Alinus back. She says she hates not being by the sea and feels this landlocked area is just terrible for her hair. She rolls her eyes slightly. Something about humidity? Perhaps. Speaking of Alinus, what actually happened to your friend Valen? She was asking after him. He got called by his goddess oh rather promptly J- just teleported right away in front of us right look over to linda we were uh, facing down to and she promptly plucked him out we have absolutely no idea where he is it's actually kind of disconcerting lost a little bit of sleep over it not gonna lie all right sorry that sounds like a lie but it's not i realize that that's what you're you're hearing <laughs> I mean, what you saw is what you saw, so... He suffered some significant injuries, and his goddess spirited him away, as it were. Very well, that's not something I tend to hear of much nowadays, but his goddess was Eshenai? Interesting development. Right. Well, I'll mention it to her, but I'm sure she'll still attempt sending spells to him. She was quite taken, then, from that brief meeting? Evidently. Wow. Well, let's all just hope that he's not currently with Ash and I trying to fight back the forces of Archon. I hope he is okay. I'm sure all is well. Stares into his food. Which is, in fact, charred peppers, candied carrots, freshly baked bread, and some simple white wine. Well, aside from the white wine, it looks excellent. I'll slide my white wine over to Nissa. <laughs> I'll slide my white wine over to Akiva. I will down it. Oh, no, no, you're not supposed to drink it all at once. Akiva, make a con save. Twelve. Stomach turns for a second. Be good. Head's a little fuzzy, though. Just a little bit. While this is all happening, the music stops briefly. Introducing His Royal Highness, King Thazar Rain, and Her Royal Highness, Lorena Buckton Rain. You see two figures walk up very elegantly dressed in red and silver. Long, like, fur-lined cloaks on both of them as they approach the throne. King Thazar Rain, long, straight, auburn hair, blue eyes, nearly six and a half feet tall and a lean build, round face and just a bit of hint of a beard. The queen has long, straight, silver hair and green eyes, soft brown skin, just a little over five and a half feet tall and is fairly muscular with a round but fairly attractive face. As they walk up, 
you notice seven other people who you recognize as the heads of the noble families come and start to go around to the table and are each seated at a position at this table on the dais. The king and queen are the last to sit as they sit. Please, everyone, thank you for joining us on this grand occasion. He gestures off to the side, which you do notice Darwin standing just below the dais. We thank our royal cleric, Darwin Nathandam, for his great service to our fine empire, for defeating a demon lord and freeing us from the threat that is undeath upon our kingdom. He raises a mug and says, To Darwin and the Nathandam household! And massive like cheers to Darwin! Everyone, enjoy the feast, enjoy the music, simply enjoy our hospitality. And at that, he goes to sit, and you notice everyone else starts to sit as well. So, conversation begins to resume around you. You notice, like, as everyone sits, Darwin kind of nods slightly, and he starts to walk right towards you guys. Belinda and Scriv, you notice there's a little bit of concern in his expression as he's coming over. He's not hurrying, but he is moving at a somewhat quickened pace than normal. Can I get up from the table as casually as possible to meet up with him? Yeah. Are you guys following or are you just going by yourself? We'll follow Scribs' lead. As Darwin gets closer. I could use some assistance. As you two, any gestures towards Belinda and Scriv? As you two both know, I am not the head of my household. Yes. I am attempting to change that with the recent course of action. But my father has some evidence that would put me in unfavorable light with the king and his approval on promoting me to the head of the household. Is there somewhere slightly more private we could speak? Please. And he will gesture to go back out of the Great Hall to follow him out and proceed down a couple of rooms. As you guys are leaving the Great Hall, you notice you are getting many looks from people. You're with the Dawn Herald. They're intrigued by this. Do we see those ladies who looked at Scriv ascance? You do. They look back over, like, a little bit of surprise, and then, like, kind of whisper to each other. I thought I got his name was Shannon. Shannon? Okay. And Sh- I'll turn around. Ladies. Belinda's <laughs> 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 just going to be, like, sort of self-soothing, just nodding to herself, like, this is all fine. Darwin escorts you down a few hallways, eventually arriving at a fairly simply adorned room. It looks like kind of a waiting room of sorts. There's a very nice, comfortable couch, a couple of simple chairs, and he just kind of gestures all of you in after looking to make sure no one's inside. Uh, As you are walking, you do get several of the guards that are patrolling the halls just, like, nod towards him and say, Don't Herald. She gestures you all in. All right, so I was going to speak with the king later today about moving up my position within my household so I would become head of the Nathandam household. My father must have gotten wind of this or simply assumed it and upon arriving has threatened to reveal to the king some aspect of my past i am not quite proud of i understood you led a pretty blameless life what could he be exposing you for if my father continues as head of the household and he's looking over at you scriv he will continue to do and exploit people in order to acquire artifacts for the simple show of it he will continue to use the fortune to push people around and promote the household. I am trying to do some good within the Thandom name. Oh, I think we're pretty sold on helping you, but I do appreciate the pitch. 
details would be nice. I'll tell you what. If you can either convince the king to not side with him, find evidence against him, something that would discredit him, or bring me whatever evidence he has, I will tell you what it was. Don't worry, Darwin. I got this. I'll go talk to the king. Yeah, I have to say, I don't think that's good enough, Darwin. How will we know what to retrieve? You haven't given us any information on what it is, and that seems like the better option than us as basically no one trying to convince the king otherwise. If you want this job doing well and properly, details up front, please. Belinda, roll a persuasion check with advantage. 20. He has some documentation of a time I was arrested. For what? There's a town north pass at the edges of the Vremer Empire. When I was young, I traveled with Zolus on several expeditions as our own little adventuring party. This was before he scurried off to go be a pirate. Got it. In the process of combating some spiritual threat, I believe it was a banshee, we may have burned down the town hall. Hey, you burned down a town too? Akiva, we didn't burn down a town. We happened to be leaving a town that was being burned. Was anyone harmed in this incident? A few people were killed in the exchange. Oh, that is bad. I'm not proud of this moment and have since dedicated my life to serving Karis and trying to repent for what I did. Now wait, you said you were arrested. That means you were charged with some sort of crime or were you never really charged and you were just released? My father may have handed a few coins over to expedite my release. Ah, so he has everything he needs and has been sitting on this for years. Yes. I was unaware that he had any documentation on the events, but... You might have, you know, had a chance to see this one coming. I'm not terribly surprised, but most of my resources that I did spend to go and see if there was any proof of the matter came back with nothing. It was inconclusive. So you don't know what kind of evidence he has? I would assume it's the arrest paperwork. The arrest paperwork and maybe documentation of him bribing someone? Well, he wouldn't have evidence of him bribing someone that would implicate him, right? I would assume he'd only have something that makes Darwin here look like a profligate. So he would have the arrest paperwork as well as the reason for the arrest. So here's the thing. You gave us a couple of options, talking to the king, assuming we're incredibly persuasive, that still means that paperwork is out there. We get something on your dad that's equally incriminating, we would have to get him to destroy it, otherwise it's still out there, like this hangs over your head forever. Ideally, this goes away, but I am not going to ask you to destroy evidence on my behalf. If you can retrieve it for me would be the ideal, that way it is in my possession, not my father's. If you can discredit my father, any paperwork he produces would be null and void no matter what he says. And if you want to speak with the king, the best person to attempt to convince him of anything is the queen. That would make sense, though we don't have much leverage with her royal highness either. She is always looking for people to help her family. Ah, well, this is getting a little more complicated. We do a favor for the Bucktons, we talk to the queen, she lets us talk to the king, and maybe he sees our way of looking at things. More likely, she will talk to him for you. Okay, do you want to know? I assume you would be better off knowing nothing about what we're doing. That would probably be ideal for me. And what are you offering us? One favor of whatever you need. As royal cleric, 
and eventually, if you help me with this head of the Nathandom household, I will have access to resources that I do not currently have. I would have access to the entirety of the Nathandom fortune. So this is a money is no object sort of request. If I have the means, I will aid you. Quick telepathic conversation. So I would like to help Darwin. I don't know that we have to approach it the way he's suggesting. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I want to help him. If we destroy this, it's the last bit of evidence that ties him to the crime. No justice is done, officially. But in another sense, I do believe he spent his life making up for it. Remember, we looked him up in the Book of Lies, and there was nothing under his name. If we're discrediting him, we need to be careful. Because any bad publicity that goes on to his father will go back onto the Nathandom household, and the favor is meaningless. That's true. There's some risk there. So then securing the actual documentation is our best plan. Agreed. I'm more partial to the idea of maybe winning over the favor of the queen to convince the king to, even if the information comes to light, it doesn't matter. Well, Nissa, you're our acquisitions expert. What do you think? Do we try to go for the documents or do you think we should do this at all? I'm not going to lie. There's part of me that thinks he's made his bed, he should lie in it. And like he's had his daddy buy him out of trouble. That's not okay, but he's doing good now. You know what would help sway you if you met his dad? Scriv and I have met him. He's awful. He's a terrible human being. Domineering, and he treats history like an asset. So we have a little bit of bias there, simply from having met the man for a few moments. You would also, I think, share that viewpoint, and I think we probably should at least give you the opportunity to see what his father is like. I think that would help win you over, that even if you don't think Darwin is perfect, and he has had a lot of privilege, he's certainly the lesser of two evils in this case, by a long shot. So I guess we're all gonna say, yes, we're down to help him. We've been having this telepathic conversation for a while. We look like we're in calm meditation, but that's okay. We really need to practice that entire talking aloud while talking telepathically thing. I'll switch back over to talk out loud. Well, Darvin, sorry, we were needing a moment to think it over. It's a rather large ask and there's some risk to us and our reputations, but we would like to help you. I appreciate that. We'll also need to be careful about how we do it so nothing, well, affects you. So we're not going to tell you what we're doing. Also appreciated. I understand. I can trust you with discretion. You have proven yourselves worthy of my trust. Well, I suppose we shouldn't be seen speaking with you any further, just in case things do go sideways. I'm afraid there's been a lot of eyes on us. Yes, uh, apologies, that's primarily, and he looks down his slightly glowing, uh, robes. That probably doesn't help much. I should leave first, if you want to follow us, just a few moments after. Alright. We'll nod slightly, and proceed out of the room. So it's, it's just us in the room right now, right? Yes. Akiva, you said you think we should talk to the king? The queen. With the end goal of persuading the king to disregard anything negative against Darwin. It just seems to me talking to the queen seems like the path of least resistance and less chance of us getting in trouble. Well, here's the thing. I'm not a fan of pursuing just one plan when there is more than one available to us and there is more than one of us. So I think it might make sense to try a couple approaches. And if we're lucky, we solve our problem in one way. We're really lucky too. If not and one approach is not successful, that gives us something to fall back on because it needs to be solved quickly too. And I don't see that all of us can really work on one thing. We don't all need to work on getting to the queen. So do we divide and conquer? Yeah, we should divide and conquer. Yes, I agree. Well, who's skilled to go after what? We have a few options. 
Scriv, you know that Favian has things he probably shouldn't. I doubt all of that is in order. There's a chance there is some very real negative information about him in that direction. He's acquired a lot of artifacts, not necessarily legally. Yeah. That might be a good direction, Scriv, for you to investigate. I know you have intimate knowledge of what the process of properly documenting and selling artifacts looks like. Okay, so find his supplier, and then maybe we can use that to discredit him. I bet you could get him to brag about his artifacts, and it would be really easy to lead him along the path of finding out where they came from, and see if he's forged any paperwork, or doesn't have paperwork. That'd be one direction to go, and that might lead to finding out where he keeps his documentation, if, if we're lucky. If I'm lucky, he might even show it to me. A man like that is probably paranoid about someone ripping him off. I would think so. So that's just a suggestion. The other is the talk to the queen to talk to the king approach, which involves navigating the court a bit. I would say that's probably a bit more in my wheelhouse. I can assist with talking to people, but I would need to know what to say. Yeah, this would give you a chance also to achieve your other goal of seeing opportunities for patrons. So Nissa, if it, there's anything that requires uh, acquiring <laughs> anything, give me a shout. <laughs> well, do you want to work with Scriv? Sure. I know we talked before if we need to split up, but this seems like it might suit our separate skills. In case there's a key that you need to lift. Same thing we did for the Deathlocks, am I right? Yeah. Can work again. Be very careful about taking anything in the palace. They don't look kindly on thieves. We're a bit of a pair of experts when it comes to distracting and making a lift. A bit more successful than Nissa and Akiva combined. Sorry, Akiva, but you got made. I'm still training. So that's my suggestion. Well, Akiva, should we go and see if we can chat up some Bucktons? Yeah. Let's go make an introduction to uh, Fabian for you, Nissa. Let's do it. Before you guys actually get to back to the Great Hall, you would notice elegant man, almond-shaped brown eyes, silky, wavy alabaster hair that's about shoulder length, and wears very fine, simple clothes. But Belinda, you specifically know that this is the Lord Chamberlain. And he is kind of back to you a little bit, but speaking in whispers, but in a very agitated tone as you are walking by. Okay. Can we eavesdrop a little bit? You pause and he's speaking to what looks like one of the kitchen staff. And he just says, how could you have allowed this to happen? He completely defaced. Who was lost in here? I know you keep this locked when they are not around, and I, yes, I understand that you are very busy, but they put a massive tongue on the marzipan. <laughs> How could they have defaced it? Like, And more along those lines. You get the impression a marzipan bust of the king was defaced. So wait, they put a tongue on it? Is that what you said? You hear comments also of like, it makes him look like a dullard. How could you have allowed this? His face looks partially melted. I'm going to lead over to Kiva and be like, this might be a way to get closer to the king and queen. I think so too. We can pursue this. Lead. Scriv and Nissa, are you heading back towards the Great Hall? Or are you going to wait? They got this. Good day, sir. Yes, um, sir, uh, vanquishers of Tenebris and uh, members of uh, your sharpened quill. That is correct. Uh, my And he kind of like straightens his, his jacket and stands up a little straighter and just, what can I do for you? Well, it seems that you're having a problem. Is there something we can do for you? He looks over to some of the kitchen staff that you see, like, through this doorway behind him, and he just, follow me. And he'll turn and walk into the room. After you, Belinda. So, as described, 
you see what should be an elegant marzipan bust of the king. Very finely crafted, if not for the fact that one side of the face looks smeared and drooping, a massive bit of marzipan or something was added to the lips to make it look like a giant tongue is lolling down to his chest, and the eyes seem to have been widened to the point where it looks like he ha has no eyelids. Someone entered the room without approval and defaced this honor to a royal highness. I can see. I am currently busy with tending to the staff and making sure that this entire feast runs smoothly, but if you can assist me with this, I'm sure I can help you out in some way. Do you mean with repairing it, or do you mean with identifying a culprit? I would like to identify the culprit that is responsible for this, and have them brought to justice for this travesty. Do you think it's someone in your staff? No one in my staff would be foolish, and he kind of turns to look at the various kitchen staff that's there, enough to deface this honor to the king. Seems to pause for a moment and kind of collect himself. They know the consequences of their actions would be immediate termination, removal from the premises, and they would be lucky to find housing within the low hills. To disrespect his royal highness in such a way is not tolerated here. I understand completely. Good help is so hard to find these days. Indeed, it's... He just sighs heavily. Well, I should see what I can do about repairing such things. If you hear of anything, please let me know. It would be a great boon, and we can at least have the perpetrator get the appropriate punishment for such a thing. Do you have suspects? Sadly, there have been so many people that have been walking by this room, and there were several instances that the staff left the room, but only someone who would have a key or the ability to pick the lock, I suppose, but who would have such things? would be able to gain access to said room. Well, you're not giving us a lot of information to go on besides it is someone and you're determined that it is not your staff. I assume it's someone who has a vendetta against the king, but no one in our great empire would dare to deface such a thing. I suspect, honestly, the Solanans. You think the Solana delegation sneaked into the kitchen to deface the king's marzipan bust? They have always had issues with the Vermer Empire. They despise our continued expansion. Why wouldn't they? To what end? To th disgrace the king. Yes, the king is truly disgraced by this confection. It does seem a little beneath the Salonans. Well, now I cannot present this to the king for his approval. I simply can't show him something like this. Of course, you focus on getting this repaired. We will focus on finding the culprit. If you have any other information you can give us, we will gladly take it. If not, just focus on repairing. We will find the culprit. Frazan's, and he points to one of the kitchen staff, dwarf woman that's there. She was the last one to leave the kitchen, and she says she saw several members of both the Solanin and Thessun delegation outside, but just have no help with that. We at least have a place we can start. You may go about your business. We'll handle this. Thank you. It's greatly appreciated. He turns to the marzipan and starts to talk with some of the staff as, like, trying to fix it. So, Akiva, a moment? Yes. We'll shuffle off to a corner. Akiva, I don't know about you, but it feels like there's really only one person who's having a problem with what has happened, and it's the Lord Chamberlain. 100%. So, 
Does this not seem more like it's not an offense to the king, but as an offense to him? Yeah. I mean, hey, it wouldn't hurt to get on his good side, I guess. He might be able to get us an audience with the queen. Yeah, I'm not saying we don't solve his problem, but I think it might be personal rather than political. Yeah, are you thinking... One of the kitchen staff? <laughs> yeah. Especially if he runs them ex- extremely hard. Yes, he seems to be uncompromising. Very unflexible. So, where do we want to start? Talk to the kitchen staff? Yeah. Might I suggest we could just talk to them like people? Yes. Sorry, quick question, Tony. Can we assess the quality of the vandalism? Does it look like it required skill to accomplish? Roll investigation. Twelve. I mean, basically it looks like the side of the face got smeared. Maybe they just took some pieces off to like make the eyes look bugged out. Maybe a tiny bit of skill, but not a lot. Okay. It also looks like the massive tongue is not actually like shaped super well as a tongue. It looks like something just like got plopped in there. Are you thinking maybe this was just a heat of the moment, someone was very upset and they just happened to do it sort of thing? Could be. It's a bit childish, isn't it? A little bit. Well, I think we should have a quick chat with the kitchen staff before we decide that it's some sort of political statement from the delegations who literally came to fight a demon lord. I don't think this is even anything remotely close to them. So, you're going to speak to the kitchen staff. Roll a persuasion check with advantage. I'll back you up. Natural 20, so 28. So, in general, what are you saying to the kitchen staff kind of behind the back of the, the Lord Chamberlain, just to, so he's not like, if you badmouth him slightly, he's not there to hear it? Let's be honest. He seems very high strung and probably deserved this. If you let us know, we could probably help you out. So you talk to some of the staff, and uh, one of them just goes, Okay, so I don't know if this is true, but there was this dwarven woman that was speaking to him. I think she's one of the delegation members. I think she was flirting with him, and then she looked really upset when he walked away. So it really was one of the delegation members. That is surprising. And she'll describe who it was that she saw, so... Based off of who you know, yes, it is one of the Dwarven delegation members. Who was spurned by the Lord Chamberlain? That is an assumption I am making. She was batting her eyes at him, it seemed, and then when he kind of turned on his heel and walked away, she just glared after him. I mean, she kind of looks over at the Lord Chamberlain. You see how he is? Yes. Yes, we have seen how he is. Well, please do not pass this on to anyone else at this moment. Akiva, we might want to have a quick conversation about what to do with our new information. Uh, I think perhaps we should go speak to this delegation member. I think that would be quite a good thing to do. And that is where we're going to leave this episode for today. Thank you all for listening. Please share this with your friends and follow us on Twitter at Rules As Written or check out our website, dndraw.com. And feel free to email any questions to the DM at dm at dndraw.com. Also, subscribe and leave us a review or comment anywhere podcasts are found, and please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. And remember, always make good decisions. If you enjoy the adventures of our characters in Ostia and our show about the rules for 5th edition, support us on Patreon. For just $1 a month, you will get exclusive content and updates. If you're interested in a look behind the curtain of how we keep track of all of our quests, we are going to be releasing our player's to-do list document for each session to all patrons going forward. 
This includes our plans for which characters need to have a heart-to-heart, -heart, what letters are they writing to family at home, and which NPCs can't be trusted. Beyond that, higher tiers get DMs notes, bloopers from our episodes, and to add an item or NPC to a D&D Raw episode. So we want to give a special shout out to our Adventure Tier and Above patrons. So thank you Waldron, Carol Morris, William McCracken, Ryan Rea Vermette, Mike C, Naked and Afraid, Feral Joe, Jeremy Kleinons, and a Linux fan. We are especially grateful to our producer tier patrons who listen to our audio before anyone else to give feedback and shape the final episode. We want to give a special thanks to Christopher Reinhardt for serving as a producer on this episode. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw.